Hello. Hi. Hey. <laughs> so uh, let's begin. Okay. Um, I don't know. Do we introduce ourselves? What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's introduce ourselves. Um, okay. You go ahead. So, okay, I'm Desiree. This is Black Enough, and today we're going to be talking about our families. Brum, brum, brum. <laughs> yeah, super excited. I'm Lauren. Um, so basically, um, the point of our show, Black Enough, is to talk about things through a biracial lens, particularly growing up in the Midwest, um, because that's what we did. It was traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, still here, unfortunately. Or fortunately, depending on how you look at I mean, it. Yeah, half glass full, whatever. <laughs> it depends what's in the glass, I think. <laughs> or if you're thirsty or not, too. You know? True. There's all different kinds of components. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... I was really um, into what we were talking about earlier about we found several things in the news actually um, that are relevant to our topic today because um, we're talking about families and I feel like I've seen the Tamara Maori stuff in on Facebook all over and then we also talked, we, we mentioned logic a little bit. Oh, geez. I do not want to give that boy any airtime. <laughs> no, that's fine. He's ridiculous. He is um, ridiculous. <laughs> but he did, he did, like his earlier albums did help me um, come to terms with the fact that maybe I'm a little, uh, I don't know, it opened me up to thinking about how like actually white I am. Um, yeah, I can see that. And then we also talked about the UC Berkeley coach. Um, and I believe it was Southwest Airlines. Yeah, I think that's right. And like that's so basically she was questioned um, <clears throat> about whether or not her child was her own. And... You know, people probably speculate on why that was. And she was at, she had his passport. But, like, for us, I feel like stuff like that, I mean, that's, it, it feels so normal to me, which is sad. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. So I remember when I was in kindergarten and I was waiting for my mom to come pick me up. And this girl saw my mom and she's like, she told me that I was adopted. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not adopted. That's my mom. And she was like, that can't be your mom. You're definitely adopted. Like, she basically told me my mom was lying about being my mom. Right. <laughs> and I just started crying. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And you don't think about how that, like, affects you, you know? Like, it's a six-year-old. I get she didn't understand the damage <laughs> she was doing. But, like, oh, I wish I knew her name. I could look her up on Facebook. <laughs> Apologize to me. Reparations. <laughs> um, yeah, I when I was a kid, um, well, when I was in high school, my mom actually worked in the elementary part of our school. And so she literally worked there and everybody Wait. knew her. But she remarried and we had different last names. Eventually, like that was at the end of my senior year. But we so was your school one big school of like all grades? Yes. Oh my god, that's so, crazy! Yeah, like high school and junior high, we actually even shared some of the teachers, and then there was the elementary. No way. Yeah, How many people really were in your graduating class? Um, like uh, maybe sixty. Oh god, <laughs> yeah, which was a huge change from when I was growing up in Omaha, and my high school graduating class would have been like a thousand. Um, easily, easily. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, uh, everybody's names, you know? Right. Um, so, like, everybody knew my mom. She worked in the cafeteria. But, like, for a year, nobody believed she was my mom. 
and there were no black people in that town so nobody believed that my dad even existed because he worked an hour away (laughs) and so they just thought I was this random brown person without parents you know (laughs) are you serious what about your you have siblings what about your siblings I mean they were just picked on all the time um my so Rachel she was really young she was in elementary school so she was like I think kids believed her because they had this, you know, my mom had her last name still and they got to see my mom every day and see them interact. But like, I didn't get that. So it's like, eventually people were like, okay, yeah, she's your mom, but she had like blonde hair and blue eyes, you know, and like this really fair skin. And I don't know if we're standing next to each other, I guess we look the same, but kids, I mean, and they, you know, some of these kids had literally never met a black kid before. So, and I didn't look like what they imagined black kids looking like or like what they saw on TV. Or Or acting like. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Because I felt like I never um, fit the mold, you know, of what people thought I should be as a black person. Oh, yeah. You hear that all the time. You're the whitest black person I know. Yeah. Or you're not really black. Yeah. And um, it like I internalized so much of that of like associating that black was bad. And I mostly I would say went to predominantly white schools up until like I got a little bit older and my mom was like poor. So we had to move to like, you know, the lower income neighborhoods. Right. And so then, and then also high school is even larger than elementary school. Yeah. So, like, the amount of black people increased. Yeah. But then, like, I don't know. It was weird. I have, I feel like I have had a weird relationship with, um, like, other black people or people who have been around other black people their whole life. Yeah. Because they don't. I don't know. I just feel like I'm not black enough and like, they're not going to accept me. Right. (laughs) And it feels like it's never going to happen. Like every time I think I progress and I have friends now who will like validate my blackness, but it doesn't matter because the next day somebody else is going to invalidate it. And so I just regress back into that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. I've been mimicking like these white behaviors. And uh, my dad was a huge part of that. He, wanted us to be white you know he still is like that and it's it's bizarre it's so strange it is weird like I think that my dad was very and my dad was like he dated around like every time when I would see him because you know typical absentee black father I got that going for me that validates my blackness (laughs) (laughs) yeah but he like out of all the girlfriends he had I remember that like none of them were women of color really I don't think I think most of them were white women who tanned it it was a weird dynamic yeah like, you'll sleep with every woman I could even think of, <laughs> except, and I think that my mom said one time, like, um, oh, he won't sleep with a black woman because she won't take his shit. <laughs> and I was like, that may be the smartest thing that my mother has ever said to me. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> No, yeah, actually, I wholeheartedly agree with that. <laughs> um, so maybe we should talk about our parents, because we kind of hit on where we grew up, and, like, we both, I mean, we both have a black dad and a white mom. Yes. Um, and we were both raised by our white moms, too. Yes, yes. Um, Cities that were predominantly white. Yeah. Whiteness. And... Yes. And my dad was absent in a different way. He was a workaholic. So, and you know, I mean, he's told me stories about how he would just like come home, but like not drive all the way. Like when I was in high school, he would like not drive all the way to our house. He would just like sit 
down the road because he didn't want to come home. So that's shitty. Yeah. Did you do that? Yeah, he told me a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, I guess like I would rather um my dad like own up to what right. he's done. Yeah. And admit it. What I mean, even whether or not they believe it, I guess, is a yeah. different I don't know, you know, if your dad recognizes how shitty that was. But like right. if my dad could just admit that he did shitty things. Yeah. Like, that would give me, I think, a little relief. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it has helped me to like come to terms with who he is as a person and accept that even though I'm unhappy about it, at least I can accept it and like move on. And like, I don't like his behaviors, but at least I can respect that he's been honest with me about yeah. not really being a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually <laughs> helped us. Like- he had some circumstances that kind of shaped him to be who he was, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, typical, well, I mean, not really typical, but he grew up in a small town in Texas. You know, there's a lot of, like, violence and crime, and he grew up all around that, you know, and it's definitely stunted him emotionally. He definitely, you know, has issues because of that, and unfortunately we inherit those things from our parents because they're all we know for a good portion of our lives. Right. Yeah. I know. I do think that they have, and it's crazy because I feel like it, I mean, eventually it it kind of happens to everyone. I'm assuming I don't, but like there's different ways that your parents affect you that it either turns you to be like them or turns you to be completely different than them oh yeah you see that in a lot of different families and it's it's weird when you throw the race thing into it because oh yeah it is you see, you see white kids do that all the time you know especially like my stepdad is white his kids are white but his kids have like either like rebelled against them because he's a pastor or whatever but then if you throw like race into it then it's the whole like like, uh, one, one guy I went out with, you know, he doesn't want to be like his dad. So he tries to be white so bad. And it's like, oh. that is so sad to me. Like that. And I probably, I don't know. I think I went the opposite direction because my dad wanted to be white, but it's like, even then, like, am I doing it because I'm proud to be black or am I doing it because I'm rebelling against my dad who wanted to be white so bad? You know, I think that it really says something even better. It says that like you are trying to learn all of the information and find out what is best for you. And I think like we've known each other for a long time. And I think that we have seen each other because when we met, we were like, I would say at the epitome of my (laughs) self-hatred. Yes, me too. Yes. The darkest times. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't even, like, we weren't hanging out all the time, best friends, really, even until, like, the last couple of years, the last, right. and just the relationship that we've had together on and off since now, like, I have seen you grow so much of a person, and I, I know that, like, I have grown so much as a person. Right. And so it's it's really nice to see what kind of our parents instilled in us. And then once we hit puberty, we were able to start transcending past that. Right. And, like, use what we've learned, but look at it from, like, a more outside perspective. Right. To try to kind of make sense of everything. Right. Well, um, so my dad <laughs> what a loaded word my dad um, <laughs> well uh okay he's a gemini and i feel like that explains most of it <laughs> yep my dad's a leo explains a lot oh wow okay just stab me in the back <laughs> But my dad is a Gemini, and he really does embody that two different people, but almost in an extreme that I don't think is healthy. Mm -hmm. 
but he also had a lot of trauma happen to him. And because I can't <clears throat> really trust anything he says, I don't know how much of what he's told me is true. But even if half of what he's told me is true, it is like a tr- it's a traumatic thing to grow up in. Yeah. Um, but him and my mom met. He's two years older than her, so he was 16, and I'm pretty sure my mom was 14. Okay. And they weren't living at home. They were kind of, I don't know, I guess, out on their own. And they, like, started dating and moved in together and stuff. And then they had my brother, who, like, my mom was, I think, 15 when she had my brother. Mm-hmm. And he passed away when he was like two weeks old. And then they stayed together for two more years and had me and then broke up shortly afterwards. So they were really, I never realized how young they were. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So my mom had me and she was 18 and she, she's just like a couple months ahead of, of my birthday. So she was 18 and then she turned 19. Um, Gotcha. So, or no, she was 19 and then turned 20. So she had Cameron when they were really young and she basically got her GED and like left school when she was 16 and was like living, I think in an apartment with my dad. I don't even know. It's just wild to me. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine. I mean, I know that I got engaged young or whatever, but. I can't imagine having to, like, grow up that fast, I guess. Oh, yeah. And it's not – It's it was primarily they found each other because they're like, oh, our home lives are both terrible. Right. <laughs> and so we're going to be together. So I think that explains a lot of um, what I see as, like, uh, immaturity from my mom mm-hmm. because she never had – like something stable really to 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 like grow those parts of your brain yeah um but yeah so then i'm an only child which we'll get to siblings um but it was just me and my mom and i would see my dad periodically and yeah I don't know. I grew up in Lincoln, so it was a little bigger, but yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was a weird situation. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like I grew up mostly in Omaha. You know, most of my, ch- I mean, all of my childhood was in Omaha until I was in, like, I graduated from eighth grade and then we moved to Tacoma. And I mean, Omaha was so big, but I still, in elementary school, only remember having like one or two black friends. Mm-hmm. And then in middle school, I don't even remember having any black friends, you know, and Omaha is our biggest city, you know, and I, it was part of where I lived. I live in, I lived in Millard. So it was like on the West side. I lived like a like, suburb. Yeah. And so, I mean, that made sense, but it's still like frustrating to look back on that. And I was thinking about my dad the other day and how he's always like, he always wants me to like be my best and everything. And, but I was wondering like what, how different I would have been if he hadn't moved us to that shitty town, you know, like I was supposed to be in all of these like programs in high school and like have all of these friends. And I would have had so much like diversity in my life. And he moved us to this town with under 2000 people. And like the school was like, terrible but I didn't have that camaraderie with people because I was brown you know so you were like like it was almost dangerous to be your friend (laughs) yes and it's like everybody like flocked to me because I was brown but then at the end of the day you know they still called me the n-word behind my back and like beat up my brothers and like it was just this really weird dynamic, and my dad never saw that. You know, he never – he was never around. So did the, you have, like, friends and stuff when you were in school in Tecama? 
I, I did. I was friends. I mean, I was president of like five clubs. Oh, um, and I, you know, like I was a popular kid in like a weird way. Cause I wasn't really an athlete, but I was in all of these clubs and I was like more charismatic than everybody, but like, I didn't go to parties or anything like that. My friends that I had that were like my actual real friends had moved from Omaha. So it was like, not the small town people. And like a lot of my quote unquote friends had, you know, like confederate flags at their houses and like white power signs in their pickup trucks Mm -hmm. like literally so racist yeah so not real friends no not or like they it's weird because they they almost see you as an exception or like um like oh well she's not one of those black yes She's exactly it was like, a lot of you're good not- enough to be in the house kind of black people <laughs> right. yes and it was like it was like um oh well you're not what we were expecting as a black person you're white enough you know you can be you you can associate with us yeah because your name's not Shaniqua and you're not dark right. <laughs> you don't wear braids like yes. anything that signifies blackness right and you know my mom was white and they saw her at school every day and um I really feel like they just didn't know any better which is the saddest part because I've seen some of them grow up and they still don't know any better and it's like I want to hold them accountable but it's not worth it (gasps) like that girl that you thought you were just hanging out with and ended up like hitting on you god yes (laughs) talking to my mom about that and she was like do you think it's because you've grown a lot and she hasn't and I was like she's grown just in the worst way yeah (laughs) she just got more of that small town mindedness even though she moved to a bigger town it doesn't matter like just because you make black friends like her boyfriend literally told me that he was Oh, my God. I don't know why I was outside with him by ourselves or her husband, I guess. And he said, growing up, you know, I never knew any black people and I was so racist. And then I went to college and I had his words, the blackest roommate. And he said, that's when I learned so much because, you know, he was super nice and he was going to school to be a pastor. And I was like, oh, so we have to be a pastor to be good enough for you. Right. Like he couldn't have been going for like music production or theater. Yeah. <laughs> of course not. No. Or, um, or black studies. <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. You have to like, you have to be. But really, when you talk to these people, you are a spokesperson for all black people. Right. And it's like, it's really, you have to, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> it's almost like a yes, Massa type stuff. You have to, like, really be on your P's and Q's. Right. Like your interview self. <laughs> you yes. Like when you, when you go into an interview and you're like, oh, yes, so I am very capable. And... <laughs> like and it's like impossible to find the balance it's either like I get super ratchet and all up and all you know or or I'm just like oh yes yes I like completely agree with everything that you're saying right now ha 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 do you ever okay so sidetracking a little bit um but do you ever when you I guess I almost want to say performing blackness. It, it feels like you're performing blackness. Yeah. I would call it that because we are black. It's not a performance. Right. But it almost feels like I like I don't fit and someone's going to find out that like I can't really say the N-word. You know what I mean? Yeah, like imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Yes. Because people have been telling like- me I'm not black my whole life that like yeah. I realize that so much. Right. And like, then we have to put on these different masks. And if you're not confident in who you actually are as a black person, then it's just, you're going to lose yourself entirely to those masks and those, that acting that you have to do. And I, you know, we see it all the time, especially here in the Midwest. Oh, there are yeah. so many white people. Or you, you learn to like code switch 
or like, or I only feel the most comfortable that I have felt, um, I guess doing being black and being my version of black is like when I'm at home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) absolutely yes or I moved to a new city and so I don't know like nobody knows who I am unless they know me now right which is oh my god that refresh button is refreshing (laughs) I mean that's yeah that's basically what I did here I have all new friends and they only know me as me and who I am now Mm -hmm. and it's like it's funny that you say the code switching thing because I just posted a status on Facebook like a couple days ago that was like, have you ever just been code switching your whole life until you're like 26 and didn't even know what you're doing? <laughs> right. Like, that's like when I, cause like when I was little, my dad spoke like a black man from the South. And so when I was learning how to talk, I was around him all the time. He raised me a lot cause my mom would work and he would work, you know, nights or whatever and so he was I was with him so when I turned like 25 my dialect started to revert back to what I learned when I was a kid it was so weird and it was like I started talking less white I guess and but it felt so natural and that was such a bizarre experience for me to just be like oh no this is what I'm comfortable with like this is how I learned to talk growing up and but then I, like, had a code switch when I went to school and was, like, around my white family and all of that. Like, that's that's so weird that I just have been doing it my whole life, but I wasn't around Black people to switch back. Right. Well, and so, like, since my dad wasn't really there, the the Black person who raised me was my grandma. Right. And she was... Um, I don't know. She it's she's very typical black grandma. Um, I mean, she was raised in small town Nebraska, York, Nebraska, mm-hmm. and she was like one of the only black families. But her daddy was a pastor, and you know, I don't know. All I feel like all of her siblings got that sort of uh, self hatred type thing. Yeah. But then my grandma, I don't know, she just became, she was like, well, I'm going to go see the world and, you know, I'm going to become a more varied person with more varied experiences. And so she traveled more than like the rest of her family. And so I feel like she did have a lot of that internalized stuff that you're talking about of literally talking to people with Confederate flags yeah displayed and stuff like that but by the time she raised me you know she'd been around she'd been to see people she kind of came into her own yeah she lived in um lincoln which is the bigger city you know the capital and she really encouraged me a lot and like i feel like i probably would be very very insecure without her influence because Mm -hmm. she has always been like oh you like to do art here's some chalk here's an art set I mean it came from the dollar store so it was like two dollars right but But still she was you know or she grabbed it off of a garage sale for a quarter you know Mm -hmm. like whatever she could hustle up to like kind of help me explore what I was interested in and encourage me to like, you know, now I call up my grandma and she was like, so what do you want to be this week? (laughs) And I feel like that is so inspirational. Oh yeah. Because I, when I tell my mom, you know, she goes, Oh, you're, you're changing jobs again or like, Oh, you changed your mind again. And it's like, yeah, I did because I'm still figuring myself out. And instead of being like negative, you could be like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. Like, you know, my grandma really encourages, you know, all of that inside of me. Like, Oh, you want to paint? You want to be a doctor? You want to be an astronaut? You want to, she was the person who told me that I could be anything yeah I didn't have to apologize or change for it right and that was like super important to me well I 
I still see that. Like last time we, um, when I was over there with you, it was like, you just are so comfortable in yourself when you're around her and she's so comfortable in herself. And that's, that's amazing to me. Like, because black women are always that. Well, and she, we have the same birthday. Oh, that's right. So we, so, okay. My therapist said, (laughs) 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 my therapist said that that's what happens when Leo's are around each other is they feed off of each other's kind of light and energy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is totally like every time I talk to her, I feel filled up, you know? Yeah. And when my, when my grandpa passed away recently, I felt like I had to be there to fill her up. And I think like, and, and now, and then when, when we were at the funeral, I met my cousin and my cousin is also a Leo and I, and now I've been talking to her a lot more recently and I feel the same with her. Like we have this, we are, it's blood, but it's also like, you know, we're connected yeah. on a spiritual level. We understand one each other in a way that is very unique. Right. Well, and that's awesome. Like my, I grew up with my white grandparents. And, like, my grandma is a lot like that, too. But she was great. <laughs> I know. And she, like, I love her. <laughs> like she, and even over just the past few months, past year, she has grown so much to be so much more open-minded. And so, I mean, it's just, she's just this amazing person. And she's, you know, like, growing up, she, so she um, has been collecting, like, Barbies for me since I was a kid since I was born and they're all black you know she's always been the person there to encourage my blackness and you know she was a teacher for 30 years in kind of a poorer school and so she was around all the where did she teach she taught at Belmont oh my god I went to Belmont did you really yeah what grade did she teach she taught kindergarten oh I was there only in second grade oh my god I was was acting out quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) No way. And um, you know what Belmont's like. So that was not helping. (laughs) No. It is a poor school. So there's way more black people there. Yeah. Probably the only year where I had a lot of black friends. (laughs) Yeah. And And my mom didn't like their influence. So she moved me to a white school. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Oh, I didn't. That's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, she has so many stories of just, I mean, so much. And, you know, she grew around those kids and she, she just was always that person to encourage me to be myself. And, but, but in a way where she also realized it wasn't her place, like she wasn't the black grandma, you know, she wasn't trying to be the black grandma. She was just supporting me. And, And she's always been encouraging me to like, you know, be myself and be proud to be black and in like a very positive, open way, not in like a forced way. And, um, like just, so when I was, so like my freshman year in high school was the most traumatic year of my life. So much horrible shit happened. Was that a Tecuma? Tecuma? Tecuma. Yeah. Moved to Takema. My parents got a divorce because my dad found somebody else. His and... new wife? Huh? Was it his new wife? Yes. And Oh, he left your mom for her? Yep. And so, and my mom had to tell us that news. And then, like, I don't know, like a week or two later, my mom had to tell me that his mom had passed away. <gasps> yeah. And she was the one who always took us to see her. I don't even remember him ever taking us to see her. And she and my mom loved each other. And it was so traumatic. And it was just like my black family flocked around my mother. And it was the most beautiful experience. And like after the funeral, you could just feel my grandma's presence. And what was her name? Her name was Johnny Bernice. And 
so then when, so I didn't see those cousins for like 10 years. Um, we reconnected on Facebook a little bit recently and all of those things. And then, um, then like a couple of weeks ago, we went to my cousin Toya's wedding and people came up from Texas that we weren't even expecting. And like, oh my gosh. And you could feel her spirit there again. You know how that is. And it's just like, when you were talking about meeting your cousin, this was exactly how I felt. I was like, how did I not grow up with these people, but they're just like me. I know. And it's like, even though I'm like half white, you know, some of my cousins are like also biracial and it was, it didn't matter. You know, there was this like spirit within all of us that we just, you know, you, you get each other and you feel each other. Yeah. And And like you are able to, I think it's, it's also because, so they're cousins, right? So there are parents, siblings, children. So they're going to have some of the same, I mean, I guess, you know, all of our parents have processed the trauma from their parents differently, but I feel like my dad, my uncle and my aunt have turned out fairly different in the ways that they act out Mm -hmm. or compensate for um, stuff that was lacking in their childhood. But in this, they are just very much the same in certain ways. Absolutely. So I like my uncle's daughter that I have been talking about, my cousin. And then also my aunt's oldest daughter is very much like me also. Yeah. It's weird how they have, they each have a kid that I relate to so heavily. <laughs> that is, it's just wild. And like my dad had, oh gosh, four siblings, I think. Um, oh, he did? Yeah. So my aunt Joy passed away when I was in middle school. And then his oldest brother passed away when he was younger. And so it was always like, him and his brother and his sister and his his they're all like in very different places now but when I'm around my aunt I'm like oh you're so clearly my dad's little sister yep like it's so obvious (laughs) and so then it's then it's like no surprise that you know my cousins are so like me and also like we all had the same grandparents which it's crazy how that affects you too and it's just it's just so wild and I know you're your grandma's favorite uh, oh yeah absolutely (laughs) there is no contest (laughs) any of my cousins ever listen to this you know don't hate me because you ate me (laughs) I'm the only one who grew up in the same city as her the same state as her I was born on her birthday. <laughs> like, so you, it's like, it's out of your control. You know, it was meant to be. <laughs> if y'all lived in Lincoln too, you would have been over there every weekend just like I was. Right. There you go. So you um, have siblings. Yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Too many, if you ask me. Just oh kidding. my gosh, that's insane. I don't. Well, okay. I guess that that makes more sense. Why you're an extrovert? I think that that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, you were I just around, <laughs> yeah. around people all the time. I was around nobody, and I grew to like really like that. <laughs> yeah, and that's what you're comfortable. With. The my mom's the same way. She was an only child, and she's just like. After spending so much time with us, she's over it. She's like, all right, I'm going to go take a nap or whatever, you know? Yep. I was on vacation recently, and we were in the middle of, like, laughing and talking and everything. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been, (laughs) (laughs) I've been, like, talking to people all day. And I was like, I'm going to go to my bedroom, and I'm going to take a nap. And I literally just laid there and scrolled through Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I just needed some alone time. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing, because growing up, I always thought I was an introvert just because of how my, like, attitude was or whatever. But then my dad actually told me 
when I was, you know, a couple of years ago, he was like, actually introvert versus extrovert is like how you recharge, you know? So if you want to recharge by yourself, um, you're an introvert, but if you, if you're recharging is being around people, then you're an expert. And that made so much sense because that is me. I have to be around people or else I just feel drained. And gosh, being as much as you, you do, like it is truly terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Like even going out with you, I'm like, Oh my God, we're going to see 3000 people that Lauren knows. because my friend Robin she says that stuff about me she says every time we go out we always run into someone that you know yeah like I mean in Lincoln (laughs) yeah which Lincoln is you know it's small enough that that's going to happen but well and I live for 25 years yeah exactly it's basically a big small town right you're gonna run into people you know especially if you go to like the liberal local bars yeah, the because they're you know that's where everybody goes who's like minded, right? And you know me always at the gay bars. Of course, I'm gonna run into all my gay friends. <laughs> okay, so I guess I've never really asked you this question. How many siblings do you actually have? Okay, so I have three biological siblings who you know: Jacob, Julie, and Rachel. And then I have two little step siblings on my dad's side after he remarried and then three step siblings around my age after my mom remarried okay I've already gotten confused (laughs) (laughs) so that's eight siblings total I grew up with the three biological siblings though for the most part right um well and and kind of um I don't know how to say her name the one with the horses? Oh, Sela. Sela. Um, like Sela V? I don't is that what it's supposed to be? No, it's a name from the Bible. Okay, I obviously I'm a heathen. I did not get the reference. That's why I had to Google it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um oh man, I totally forgot where I was going with that. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> But you've been kind of like you've spent a lot of time with her in the last yeah. few years as you've been like be like living in the same house. Yeah, since she was um because I knew her since she was like maybe two or three and oh I God. yeah, I did um like a preschool with her. Um I did preschool every day um when she was, you know, pre kindergarten and then Um, made sure she got to school and stuff when she was in school and yeah I mean I've been with her a good chunk of her life and well and that's um, a good chunk of yours too yeah it really is yeah like my whole adult life she's been been there and you know she's like my little buddy um but I it's you know as much as I love her it it just honestly will never be the same as like with Rachel right And growing up with my siblings, it's weird because we're all like this hive mind. Like we're all the same person. And we say that all the time. We are all just like different variations of the same person. Oh, yeah. Well, I've never, I don't think I've ever met Julian. Yeah. Um, The other two I can totally see as like your alter egos. (laughs) Yes, yes. Like, if you could transform into another person, like, and not be a totally, like, just a different version of, like, the guy in Halloween Town who just changes faces. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> be your sibling. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's weird because we, uh, being, you know, just two years apart, we experience everything so differently. It, like, the divorce and you know, everything they see, uh, the younger siblings, Jacob and Rachel, they see things from a totally different perspective than I do. Um, in their like relationship with my dad, um, because Julian and I grew up with a different version of my dad. My dad was practically a kid, you know, he was what, like 22 maybe when I was born. And I'm just like thinking about the 22 year olds that I know now. I know it's scary. Raising yeah, 
oh my gosh, versus what they knew, which was like a 27 year old, almost 30 year old, you know, when Rachel was born. So it's like, they knew a completely different person as, as children. Did graduate from Takema? She did not. They moved to another small town and she graduated from there. So um, was it a better small town or was it just more it, of the same? Um, a little more of the same, but the school was a lot nicer. The school was, they had like an amazing like auditorium and she, you know, performed. Oh yeah, she's really sang. well there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've seen your Snapchats, so that's the only yes. reason I know. I'm not, <laughs> you know, hanging out with Lauren and her family. I mean, sometimes comes sometimes. comes with the friendship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, my brother needs me, or you can come with, and I'm like, well, I'll come with. <laughs> yeah. That's that's all. That's my whole life. You know, it's like every week there's something where it's like. Uh, the last guy I was with, he was upset because I wasn't prioritizing him over my family. Um, and blood. They're blood. Which was, <laughs> yeah, which was frustrating because, first of all, I mean, we'll get into relationships next on the next episode. But He's I crazy. just, like, <laughs> <laughs> with my family, it's not just that they come first. It's like that's just that, that's just natural to me to want to be there for them as as an older sibling. And as somebody who sees that they like, we all need that. We all, you know, it's so hard growing up here being a brown person, you know, and my siblings get that more than anybody. They get from like how I grew up and how I interact with people and just how I experience things. They go through the exact same thing. They look just like me. They act just like me, so they understand what it's like. Way more similar experiences than, you know, even I can have. Right, exactly, because they they grew up, they went to Takema, you know, and they moved back to Lincoln or went to college or whatever. Like, it, it's just wild to have three little versions of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, you can, but you can talk to about that kind of thing, and it's like we all, like, learn and like see different things and we can share it with each other um i am jealous of that sometimes yeah i do not i don't have anything close to that like because my mom was so young when she was pregnant and kind of unsupervised and running the streets at like 15 Mm -hmm. Like, she was very strict with me. She wanted she wanted me to be completely opposite of that. And she got her wish, just not necessarily in the way that she wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, I didn't have – and it's crazy to think of. Like, it's crazy to me. Like, even my even my therapist, again, with my therapy talk, um, <laughs> even my therapist was like that's crazy <laughs> With yeah. that, mom, like I had no friends I I had people that I talked to in school but I would mostly kind of recede into a corner and read and I was like crazy smart in school and like I'm not bragging because I'm not that way anymore <laughs> like, but like in, when, I, when I was in elementary school like I would read books in class and teachers would get upset because I wasn't paying attention. So they'd like ask me what they were just talking about. And I'd be like, you know, 43 or whatever, you know, like I'd be able to answer them and then just like exasperated, like, can I get back to my book now? (laughs) Like I would just read and people were very mean to me for a very long time not that they still aren't but without that support group of friends to kind of back you up I was very much um I was like all alone it was like like I would read just like 
armfuls and armfuls of books and just like lay in my room all day. My mom wouldn't let me go outside because she was afraid I was going to get kidnapped. Of course. And she wouldn't let me have friends because she didn't want to take me to their friend's house. And like it was just crazy. I just there, – there was nobody. And I don't know. It was a very <laughs> – that's so wild to me and I feel like it reflects in who you are now because you are very like even though you're so introverted it's you're still so I mean that I mean maybe even more so that makes you so independent whereas me I'm so dependent on other people all the time you know like I I I am very strong in myself and confident and independent in that way but in order to exist, I, like, have to have so many people around all the time. Otherwise, I just I, – I can't function. Oh, my goodness. And you're so not like that. And I didn't realize that, like, growing up, how – you know, why – that that's, like, such a big influence on why we are the way we are. Oh, yeah. I created myself. Yeah. I would sit and, like, kind of just – stare at my ceiling or out my window and I would just dream of like all like all the lives that I would have and all the things that I could be and um I think that's really shaped like why I'm so aggressive for like my goals and why I'm so determined is because I have been in a place where it's been just me and it wasn't terrible I mean obviously it would be preferable to have friends around or to have that type of thing but now like now I'm an adult and I can buy a plane ticket you know if I really need to see someone that really cares about me or I can hop on a phone call or a podcast like I am with you now (laughs) and I can talk I can talk it out and that has been like I've I've been moved away now for a year and a half and I only really have one friend here in the city that I can go do things with. And that is enough for me because I go to, I go to stuff by myself or, um, you know, I just, I don't want to be boring. So I'm not going to wait for someone to come hang out with me. I'm just going to go somewhere and I'm not going to talk to anybody because that scares me. <laughs> but if someone talks to me, I'll usually say something back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unless you look like Forrest Whitaker and you're asking me to dinner. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> I will not. I'm not going. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. And like, I feel like I, you know, I'll go out and by myself too, but I'm way worse at it than I thought because I kind of forced myself to do it for a long time. But now I'm like going back to where it's like, I need friends, you know, I need to know that my people are going to be there. Otherwise I don't want to be there. And, right. But like the, I don't want to just stand in a corner and not talk yeah. to anybody. But at the so same I time. Like, um, I don't go to like, I don't know. It has to be something like a show where really everyone in the room is paying attention to like one thing. Uh, yeah. Like those are more where I'm like, okay, I'll go by myself. Yeah. Like, I might have to stand there for 45 minutes and drink like three cocktails <laughs> <laughs> before the band comes on. Yeah. But then once the band comes on, nobody's looking at me by right. myself. We're all here to see the same thing, you yeah. know? And so you have found, like, solace in that, you know, you can be mm-hmm. in that. Whereas, like, for me, it's like I want to be engaging with the people around me. You're um, so good at it, too. It's just, I, that's just who I am. And it's like, I feel like I got that a lot from my dad, who kind of grew up the same way as me. He wasn't the oldest, but he always kind of had to take care of, you know, family and he kind of built himself around that, around the idea that he has to take care of the people around him. And that's, that's me. You know, I always make sure that's why I'm still here. You know, I'm always making sure that I'm accessible to 
my family and now it has extended to my friends I I and it's it's almost selfish because it's like that's what gives me life and that's what gives you know like um trust me you give me life (laughs) (laughs) I always hope that I'm giving as much as I'm taking you know I said that in a very roundabout way earlier. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I feel like, I don't know, why not just flush my whole life down the toilet? And then you, like, text me something dumb or we just talk about, like, Tinder experience. Yeah. And I, like, bounce back so fast. Right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just forgot who I was for a second. I'm back. (laughs) The goose is loose. (laughs) charge each other but it's you know and it's I don't know there I mean there's so much to it but part of it is that we both had the same experiences you know and like like, we could be cousins yeah because they're not the same but they're similar enough that we have a lot of overlap right exactly yes and it's so important to have somebody like that who you can relate to and who can be understanding of you and validate your existence and your feelings and thoughts. That's so important. So is that your advice? Yes, that actually legitimately was my advice because I was thinking about you and just how great it was when you got to um, experience that with your cousin. And I experienced that with my cousins and that, that is just my advice is to like, try and find that person in your life who can, you know, validate those things for you and make you feel like not necessarily that you're not alone, but just that you're not the only person here who maybe feels this way or, you know, thinks those thoughts. Right. Or knows all the fucked upness of your family. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. Well, yeah, because you guys had plenty to discuss. I had plenty to discuss with my cousins about how shitty sometimes our parents are or, you know, like, mm-hmm. whatever. I And it's, it's that I think really – so my advice is if you're an introvert like me and you're not more like Lauren <laughs> – my real salvation to finding myself was being online. The the yeah. second I got my laptop, I really fell into my own. Yeah. And I really kind of was able to see what do people who don't live in bumfuck Nebraska, mm-hmm. <laughs> what are their experiences like? Yeah. Like what do people in Kansas think and like what microaggressions do people in Seattle feel or New York City or you know Austin Texas yeah all these places that like you don't think about because when when you're young when you're in like elementary and middle school you're not thinking about people who live in Alabama or no you know North Carolina you're not thinking about that you're thinking about the who are right next to you. Yeah. And so being online really helped me connect with people like me and um, really helped me figure out that there's not just one way to be black. Yes. It's not a singular identity. It's mm-hmm. black is not an inhibiting quality. It doesn't exclude you from any tables right. it just might make it harder for you to get to some of those tables but it doesn't mean that you can't right that was so important of like I looked at my family and I kind of saw what they did and I didn't really want anything to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Being like online and being able to see like, oh, I can really just, you can really make money on doing anything if you try hard enough. Yeah. Be whatever it is you want to be. 
depending yeah. on how hard you want your path to be. Right. I think we're coming towards the end. Yeah. Um, do you have a little bit of sunshine for the next week? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, I don't know. I've just been so, like, happy with supporting performers that, like, locally – and it just brings me such joy to see people in their element and be able to say, you know, like genuinely say, you are so great at this and you can continue to do this in whatever capacity you want, whether, you know, it's music, drag, you know, painting, whatever. Like, I feel like supporting local artists, it just it just brings you this joy that you can't get from anywhere else. And it's a sense of community. And I'm just like, so blessed to have all of these people in my life. And I feel like, I feel like more people should engage with that and get that experience. So I guess that's my little bit of sunshine. Just, just try and find like local, somebody local and enjoy them for a little bit. And it'll make you so happy. So even if you're fucking broke, there's shit for you to go do. There is free shit out there. There is like free shit all day, every yeah. day. Yes. I'm blessed to live in Minneapolis because literally there's so much free shit to do. I cannot keep up. Like it would be right. full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> um. So my little bit of sunshine is going to be a little witchy. It is the new moon this week. Um, I can't remember what day it is. Let me look at my handy dandy planner. So it's in cancer. We're still in cancer season. My, my, the little lion inside of me is like just starting to wake up from a nap. (laughs) (laughs) And plus I get to see my, my best friend on my birthday. Wonder who that is. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I think her her name rhymes with Lauren. <laughs> rhymes with Lauren? I don't know what else rhymes with Lauren. <laughs> Does that, mean that sounds good. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so the new moon in, in Cancer is on Thursday, All right. July 12th. Okay. It is at 9.47 p.m. Central Standard Time. (laughs) I write these things down in my planner because I forget everything. Right. I have so many reminders on my phone for everything. Do you want to hear something ridiculous that I just did? Absolutely. (laughs) I went into my Google Calendar and I set a date for my Saturn return. (laughs) (laughs) And it is like a year and a half away. Oh, my God. I was like, okay, on this day at this time, Saturn goes into Aquarius, and I need to, I need a warning before shit starts to hit the fan. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you end up there and you're like, what is happening? Hang on, why is it Mercury retrograde constantly? Oh, <laughs> exactly. So that's my bit of sunshine. Um, also. The sun is shining, so yeah, it's beautiful. What's happening? I'm I'm grateful. I don't. I'm not gonna. Complain. Yes, I know. I am actually probably. I went to the beach yesterday, and you know, I don't think my tan lines are dark enough. So I'm thinking about going to the beach again today. <laughs> Do it. It's just all that vitamin D. I just feel like I literally glow. Yeah. So I'm also charging up for our meeting because it's going to be wild and I need to be prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, Thanks for tolerating us for an hour. Yes. Hopefully, you know, if you liked it, you want to come do it again next time. Um, Where, what are we talking about, Lauren? Relationships. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll try to keep it brief next week, but no promises. Yeah, we'll try not to have a nervous breakdown. 
Um, I think I'm gonna. So for this episode, I had a nice Tom Collins. I think I'm gonna need two for the next one. <laughs> okay, bye everybody. Thank you. This has been an episode of Black Enough, and you guys should subscribe so you can make sure to listen to me and Lauren talk about our past dramas on all different topics. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.